0: Welcome to another episode of the Underground Bunker podcast, and uh, I've got a couple of real special guests this week. <laughs> Postate Alex is back, Alex Barnes-Ross over there in London, and he's got a friend with him, Jeff from Canada, known yep. at YouTube as PTS for Life. Yep. Jeff, you were there for the uh, protests, uh, weren't I you? I did.
1: Yeah, I flew all the way over here just for it, and of course to, to get to know Alex in person because him and I have become very close friends, and um, he's been incredibly supportive of me and my channel.
0: And then after we talked a lot about the uh, protest, and I could still talk about it because, Alex, that was such a wonderful thing you pulled off. However, in the days since then, you two knuckleheads have been up to something, right? And I want to hear all about it. (laughs)
2: Yes, I wasn't joking when I said we're only just getting started Uh, and the planning for the next event starts now Um, but in the meantime we're going to have a bit of fun Um, so we decided to go and visit Danielle and Neville Chamberlain who are both former Scientologists here in the UK that live up north Um, and we went to Sunderland and we thought we'd take some pictures outside the org in Sunderland um which was kind of all fun and games take some pictures and then we're gonna leave and do something else and as we were taking pictures the door opened and someone said would you like to come in (laughs) so of course we said yeah okay cool and we went inside and had a tour which is completely mind-blowing to me how how that happened that was like what three days after we just pulled off the
1: biggest protest since 2008 uh and personally disrupted mr david miscavige (laughs) And his event, so you would think they would have known that we were coming, but uh, I guess they're yeah, not on top. And just
0: of for us Americans that don't know our north from our south over there, Sunderland is on the northeast coast. It's it's practically almost to Scotland, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. It's it's three three and a half hours on a train that goes about two hundred miles an hour, um and then it's two hours from Sunderland to Edinburgh on a on a similar speed train.
0: And uh, what's Sunderland like? What's that part of the country like?
2: I mean, it's an industrial city. It's known for its glass making back in the 17, 1800s. Um, so it's a very industrial city, it's very old. Um, now it's undergoing quite a lot of redevelopment um because there's there's a thing in the UK called the North-South divide, which basically means um, a lot of energy, time and money has been spent on the South in the UK over the years, focusing on London and such, and the areas in the North have generally been forgotten about, which is quite sad. So there's been this massive drive recently to kind of redevelop the Northern cities and Sunderland is one of them. Um, so there's some beautiful architecture and some great history. It's a, it's a lovely place, um, but it is under undergoing quite major redevelopment to try and, you know, don't forget about us guys in the North here, you know. <laughs>
0: And what about the org do you have any sense of its past or what what the you know what the, to to somebody that was in the london staff what was the line on sunderland org
2: yeah so there so in the uk there are a number of orgs but they are all very very small and basically should be considered missions really Um, They have all been transferred into being called orgs because the mission program was shut down. There are still missions in existence, but they are just kind of living rooms in people's houses that meet once a week to read some Dianetics or whatever. Um, So Sunderland has its own building. It's a a floor above a shop and they obviously own it because it had the old Hubbard Dianetics Foundation signage outside, um, as well as Church of Scientology. Um, I think they've probably owned that building since the 80s, I would estimate. I can research and just double check the exact date, but it's it's kind of an oldish building. It's a bit tired looking. It's above a shop. Um, you go in and there's kind of a stairs. There's just like a kind of not even a reception area, it's just a table on the left with some dinetics and an e-meter and a guest book. And then you go straight up the stairs and it's kind of like it's like a little apartment that's been converted into a church with a single chapel, one room that could be converted into a dissemination centre or a reception room or, you know, a course room, according to whatever it is that they need. Um, And then there's one or two offices. It's very small. However, they have got a new building. So Sunderland, pretty much all of the orgs in the UK, around the same time, bought new buildings. So London, they they moved into the new building to be ideal in 2006. Uh, Manchester, Birmingham, Sunderland and Poole, which is down in the south, um all purchased new buildings at the same period at the same time and they've just sat there empty for 16 years um awaiting redevelopment because these orgs aren't big enough to you know, fund the refurbishment that they need and recruit the staff and so on. And um, so Sunderland has this new building in Gateshead just around the corner. That's an old nursing home. That's a very elaborate, lovely, old looking building. Um, but it's just sat there derelict and has been for uh, That's years. what I was
0: going to ask was I don't remember the Sunderland name coming up in the list of Ideal Org projects, but I didn't know they had bought a building. I mean, the same thing in the U.S. I, you're right. It was about 2007. That Miscavige went on a buying spree, and they bought all these old buildings, intending to turn them into orgs In Detroit, in Chicago, in Philadelphia, in Kansas City, and some of them are still sitting there rotting, like you said. Some of them, you know, in England, and some of them in the United States, nothing has been done to them. Others, you know, for some reason, Miscavige says, "Okay, let's do that one." And so the Chicago, for example, old building that had been sitting there forever suddenly got refurbished, but now it's just sitting there almost completed. It. And I don't know when he's ever gonna open one up, but it sounds like it's Sunderland. I I never hear that name. So they they probably don't even have any fundraising going.
2: No, I mean, look, you would probably recognise it as Gateshead because Gateshead is the next city along. It's only a few miles down the road. Okay, um, okay. It's the same group of people. Um, just for context, 2021, there was a census in the UK. And one of the questions was, you know, which religion are you? And there was an other box and you could write in whatever religion you were. Um, 33 people uh, was, uh, claimed to be Scientologists in the whole of the northeast of England. So the pool from which they can draw money is extremely limited. Um, You know, even if you allow for error and for a proportion of people to, to have not written the Scientology as their belief, but they're still practicing, you know, 33 people is not enough money to raise the millions of pounds or dollars required to refurbish a building, recruit the staff, and then open it as an ideal building. So yeah, the Gateshead buildings has been sat there empty for years. And and the council and the local residents are really, really unhappy about it. There was a, a news article only earlier this year that went out in the BBC, where it was talking about how angry local residents are that this building is just sat there derelict with graffiti. And, you know, it looks like, it could be inhabited by squatters and it's kind of a a stain on the local area and they're trying to redevelop and show people that the north is lovely and this is a great city to come and visit and then there's this horrible building that's kind of almost falling down they're they're not happy about it
0: they can write all those stories they want it's just going to sit there until miscavige decides on his schedule that he wants it you know improved in order to open for an ideal or well, Jeff, you're from the fabulous west coast of Canada where, you know, I mean, happened and hip Vancouver. What did, how did, is it, was it, I assume this was your first trip to Sunderland, England?
1: <laughs> you know, it's been, a, it's been my dream for years. No, um, <laughs> it's my first time actually to the UK uh, or across uh, onto another continent and it's been fabulous. But yeah, Sunderland. So even Vancouver, Vancouver is a very old building. It's well over a hundred years old. Um, but it is actually fairly big as far as, uh, orgs go for, uh, square footage, you know, it's three floors, it's got dedicated academy and basic course rooms, all that stuff. Uh, but Sunderland is just teeny tiny and I can't imagine them having enough space for more than
2: 30 people anyway. Um,
0: so so you guys got there and the door was open and somebody invited you in.
2: Yeah, It literally opened as we were taking pictures outside and she, this lady called Eva, she was really lovely, very nice, nice Swedish lady. Um, yeah, popped her head out and she was like, Dude, do you guys want to just come in? <laughs> we looked at each other, we weren't well, expecting it, we were like, okay. <laughs> when the door opened, I, my first words, oh, you're open.
1: And I was <laughs> like, I was so put back by this because we were just going to take off. We were kind of goofing around thinking about knocking on the door, I was like, ah, forget about it. Uh, and then, so as soon as she opened the door, we thought, well, might as well take the opportunity, uh, and yes, we went in and had to sign in with our real names, uh, write down our email addresses, which we were accurate about. So I'm sure, uh, they were able to search that up, but, um, she wanted to give
2: us a tour. So we said, sure. I think one thing to bear in mind is, um, the orgs have some really high tech systems, but a lot of systems are really outdated, right? Oh, yeah. So I remember at London, for example, which is ideal. So there's there's better systems, more money has been spent on the building. You know, there's a fancy CCTV system. And as, someone, as soon as someone walks into the reception area and they say, hi, um, this is my name, you know, they would sign in on the guest book. Then we would immediately type their name into Central Files, which is a system that brings up their record if they've ever had any you know, communication or contact with Scientology in the past. And so if it, if someone had been a suppressive person or spoke out against Scientology, it would flag up and it would say like warning or, you know, SP or, you know, contact OSA or ethics or whatever. Um, but we didn't have that system at the Tottenham Court Road branch because it was smaller. We didn't have a designated wow. receptionist. So we just had a binder that was in the drawer with pictures of all suppressive people. And the binder was so thick. It's not like, everybody that worked there was going to memorize all these pictures and check and compare this bot binder against every single person that walks in so essentially at tottenham court road we would just introduce people walk around the information center and just keep an eye out for certain you know clues or things that might can indicate you, can you remember
0: people. any names in particular of people that were in that binder at tottenham court
2: I mean, look, all the big names, Amy Scobie, Mike Rinder, John Atac, yourself, you know, the, this was back in the day and, and obviously there were tons of names that I didn't know. But the thing is, there were so many you didn't, you wouldn't remember them all because there's no point. And there's no, if someone walks into the building, if you're in Div 6 like I was, the goal is to get them introduced to Scientology. So if they, they, there's no time in your head to like compare and think, is this an SP? Because the likelihood is they aren't. So you're trained to kind to keep an eye out for the warning signs I suppose. Um, However, when a big event was happening, so for example a protest at St Hill, and there was a danger that some specific people might try and come to the org and do something funny, OSA would give us a call in Div 6 and say, hey, guys, keep an eye out for these people, you know, and give us like three names or pictures and say, these people have been doing some stuff, you know, I don't want to get into it, but keep an eye out. They might try something. So it was kind of an early warning system and we were keeping on high alert. Um, And so when I'm just giving this kind of story as backstory for Sunderland, because Sunderland is an old rundown building that doesn't have that CF system. It didn't have CCTV for all that I could see. um, Or if it was, it was very discreet. And when you go in the guest book, there's no computer or anything. It's just a book that you manually write your name. So as soon as he went in, I was like, we are so Like lucky, because as soon as if they had a computer system, type it in, we'd flag up instantly. But what surprised me is OSA historically have sent that text message to the staff that work on the front lines. Watch out for these guys. And either this either lady didn't receive this text or more likely they didn't send the text they didn't send the warning site like signal out to Sunderland org now in all fairness why would they because Sunderland is so far away from London what is the likelihood we would go up there but knowing that you're here from Canada and we are up to to stuff I would have thought the sensible thing would be to alert all uk orgs you know watch out for these guys in the next couple of weeks and that just didn't happen so we used our real names and our real email addresses on the guestbook because you know i thought it'd be interesting to see what happens and i'm sure as soon as that is entered into the database it flags up um and i'm pretty sure they must have entered it after we left because we had some suspicious activity the next day uh, at the train station when we were making our way home And also just What what kind of pattern
0: were you getting hit with when you walked in the door, Jeff? I mean, was this familiar was this familiar to you? Did it was it a little different than what you're used to?
1: Well, so the funny thing is, um Eva introduced herself as a Scientologist, but she also then uh, launched into a the the spiel of well, Scientology is not a religious religion. it's more of a practical one that's the
2: first thing she said yeah
1: which to be fair like when i would when i would work on you know public lines i would say it's a it's an applied religious philosophy you know the the standard verbatim drill that we all get drilled on but i would never have said it's not religious um and then she also was clear to say that she's more into the dynetics uh, versus scientology so it almost seemed like she was kind of down downplay her aspect of, of Scientology, yet she's been a member, according to her, for 15 years. Uh, so I did find it kind of strange and a little bit like uh, very soft sell, I would say. Like, there was no hard sell involved in this at you all. You
0: might have heard some crazy things about this, but I'm not crazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of idea. Like, she was really downplaying things, which I thought was interesting.
2: Um, and this was right at the beginning of our introduction, so... I think what was interesting is I it was really triggering for me at the very beginning because I realised in the moment the last time I'd heard this pitch, this patter, was when I was delivering it myself to people. And it was almost word for word how I used to do it. And there was a moment where, where Eve was talking to Jeff and I was like, I'm, I can't do this. I'm going to leave. I'm done. like, Jeff, you're on your own. But I was like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick through it and see how I feel. And I'm going to carry on and let's, let's go through it. I know what they're going to say. So it's not like I'm going to fall for it. You know, I'm not going to suddenly be like, oh, I'm so glad we came in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back now. Like, I knew that I was safe from any of that stuff. But yeah, we, we carried on as she, it was definitely interesting. I was shocked. If she was my junior, I definitely would have been uh, sending her back into training and drilling her on the patterns again because. We, again, it might just be because London was the centerpiece of the application for religious we- wedding ceremonies. And so maybe we got more training than the other orgs, but we were drilled like day in, day out on how we need to pitch Scientology as a religion and it's applied religious philosophy. Um, and we need just as much respect and re- everything else as every other religion because we were trying to get that religious status. So either now they've got that they're just laid back and don't care anymore, or they just have completely forgotten about all of the outlying smaller orgs around the country. And were just focusing on London because they know that that's the one most people go to that are involved in this decision-making process.
0: Now, when I was pulled in, uh, I was with Andreas Heldahl-Lund and we were walking- Great
2: use of a word there, Tony.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this was about 12 years ago, 11 years ago and um andreas just wanted to see the org ideal org on 46th street and so we were standing there and a body router came over and said come on you, you guys want to come in you want to see you know <laughs> and so we're both like hey they're inviting us okay we'll go in so we went in and it was surprisingly busy i have to say there was a lot of young people too and they had all these fancy new displays they have on ideal orgs but they led us right through that opening room and took us right to a small room to watch a film. No patter, no discussion, just they wanted us to see. And they showed us the um, Origin of Dianetics movie, which is bizarre because they've had to replace some of the actors who have left. And so they have an actor who's way too young talking about the 40s, and it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, so that, that was my... And then by the time we came out, the place was empty. I think they'd figured out who we were and they didn't want anybody around when we came back out and they just basically kicked us out. But so so I got immediately pushed in to watch a film. What did they do with you guys?
1: Oh, well, they just, uh, so the the very entranceway is basically just a a wide hallway with a bunch of books. They're all Dynetics books. There was an E-meter, the Newmark Super 8, whatever it's called. Um, and then they, there was actually, and this is kind of interesting, there was a, like a little pamphlet from the IES event with a whole stack of CF folders that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. She basically just said us a little bit, uh, a little bit of stuff about Dynetics and her, her history. Uh, and then she led us right upstairs to the main uh, org area, which is just basically a, a flat, like Alex was saying. Um, and then along a hallway, there's the org board, which we got a picture of. Oh, good. Uh, it turns out they have three staff uh, at this organization, uh, including three? the executive... Three? Three, three, on the org board. I mean, Eva's name wasn't on there, so she did say she was a volunteer, but, you know... The staff are volunteers. Like, that's yeah. how
2: that's how we're ca- we were categorized as staff members. We're volunteers because yeah. we don't get paid. So she is a volunteer yes. staff member. So she's one of... There were three people on the org board. She wasn't on there, but I'm sure, um, you know... She's being she's being added, but look, we were the only people in the building. There was one person in an office that we saw. There was Eva, which is two staff members, and there was us. Yeah. Um. She said that there was they only deliver courses on the evenings and weekends. Um. So yeah, it's not a very busy org. Yeah, and Sorry. a note about the uh, organizing board, which I
1: thought was interesting. It was very decrepit looking, very old, uh, but there was a ton. There was tons of like rips under posts. So as though they had taken names off of this organization org board. And the interesting thing too, is that the executive director is clear. um, But the, I think she was the head of the public division is OT five. And so I just find it interesting that the OT in that organization is not running the organization. It's just strange to me as a Scientologist. Right. Um, And then I just kind of noticed that there were some impact magazines there and I kind of inquired about them and, She said, oh, well, you can take one. They're free. I said, sure. So I grabbed every single one I could get. Um, Alex got a source magazine. uh, And then she led us through to the kind of info display area, the bookstore, um, which is just, again, a very small room. And it actually had the entire uh, materials guide chart, which is all this massive display with the tv screen uh, with every single thing at did as far as the you know the books and lectures and so forth all laid out chronologically so you can you know find out what to study next and i was kind of jokingly inquiring like how did you get this thing up here because it i remember when this first came into the vancouver organization this thing is heavy oh it is like built to last it's like metal and thick wood um it does come in pieces of course but and Alex was kind of joking, did you have to bring it through that window? Because the it's it's it just looks super awkward to get this thing up there. Uh, and yeah, and then we just kind of very, very boldly asked Eva to take a picture of us in front of the materials guide chart. Um, and now, so for my history, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know who I am, I was a bookstore officer in Vancouver uh, for a few years. And of course, Alex being the director of public book sales for London Org, uh, we both have that in common. And so I thought it was quite fitting to... Get a picture of us in front of this amazing materials guide chart
0: <laughs> wow yeah and what, what were they offering you uh did, was there any kind of a hard sell about signing up for a course or anything like that
2: this is what surprised me about the whole thing is like there wasn't i don't know if she. So looking at the org board, there was nobody posted in Div 6, so I don't know what Eva's job role was. But she clearly wasn't a Div 6 public-facing Scientologist, because she used some of the patterns, some of the spiel, some of the speech that we all learned as Scientologists. But there wasn't a clear route from walking in the door to doing a personality test or selling a book or whatever. If you were to walk into London Org, I guarantee you, it would be very clear what they're trying to do. They would either get you to a personality test, they would get you to buy the Dianetics seminar or personal efficiency course, or buy a book, most likely Dianetics. And it's very clear which route they put you on when you go there based on the questions they ask you and where they show you. That just didn't happen here. It was just a really good down-to-earth conversation about what you're interested in, what have you heard about Scientology? Um, And I was just really shocked that she was so happy to take a picture of us using my (laughs) phone, because that was a major warning sign for me when I was in Div6. If someone came in and was taking pictures of everything and kind of poking around and asking really weird, specific questions, like, how did you get that in here? Because it's really heavy, big display. (laughs) Like, I know that that's not a suspicious question, but it's the sort of thing that someone who's genuinely interested in Scientology wouldn't ask those questions. They wouldn't be taking pictures like we were and so these are all the red flags that i was trained to pick up on and as soon as i spotted any of those you switch in to get this person out of the building as quickly as possible mode and to say look if you're interested go to the website or you know not kicking them out but like there's something suspicious going on let's just move them away um and that not none of that happened at all and so that's what was one of the biggest surprises for me but i i anticipate that's because or i expect that's because Eva isn't a Div 6 staff member because there are no staff in Div 6. So she's just helping out in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally she does something different, I would imagine. Yeah.
0: And then did you get some sense of how many people are associated with that org in general besides the staff?
2: So on the left, so the main room where you have the materials guide chart, which is this huge display, as Jeff was describing. Next to that is the bridge to total freedom, and there's a small doorway. And I poked my head into the doorway, thinking, "What is this room?" Because it was empty, and I wondered if it was an auditing room or something. But no, it was the chapel. And so, because there was a little lectern at the front and a couple of chairs, and um, and on the wall in the chapel was a whiteboard. Uh, that said biz. Now, biz is bodies in the shop. This is a Scientology statistic that is hugely important in Division 6. Biz is any person that walks into that building whether that is a raw public someone who's not done any training or servicing whether that's a staff member who has come back on the time that they're not working to study um you know do a course something like this it's any paying public members who are coming in for auditing or to do a book course or whatever any person that walks into that building is counted as biz. And this number, the same person can't be counted more than once in a week. So if one person goes in every day in a week, that's not seven biz, that's one biz, right? Because it's one body in the shop. This is a number that is on this whiteboard because they have a staff meeting every Thursday at two. And it's one of the most important ones because that shows how much the org is expanding. The biz, the bodies in the shop for Sunderland Org. And we visited on Wednesday afternoon. So it's a pretty close to the end of the week in Scientology terms, because the Scientology week goes from Thursday to So it's a pretty good round number. This is what we would expect on an average week, essentially 30 30 people had been into this building in the week. 32 now, though. Well, now 32, (laughs) because we were there. They're in affluence this week. But but that's a, a real indicator that Scientology is definitely shrinking, if not stagnant, because two years ago, the census revealed there were only 33 Scientologists in the whole of the northeast of England. Well, 30 people are on course or visiting the org. And... I imagine a a handful of those 30 would be raw public, you know, that have been body rooted in, like we would have been considered, like non Scientologists. So that 30 number isn't necessarily 30 hardcore followers that are there every week. It might be 10 people who are there on course and 20 people that have been invited in for a tour. We don't know. We don't see all of their statistics, but it gives you an idea of just how not busy it is, especially considering they only have a course room active evenings and weekends. They don't even deliver courses in the middle of the day.
0: And you you have to think about that over what miscavige has put them through in the last 20 years as far as this focus on technology on you know rebuilding facilities so everything's told on monitors and always with the idea that if you people will just give us the money we need we're going to build this place that people are going to flock to and that's in every message he gives that okay i know it's tough now i know you need to give money I know, you know, but it's going to pay off because once we have these orgs the way we want them, we're going to have so much business. And the opposite is true. I mean, every time we get a hard piece of data, it always falls into line with the numbers we see of the national census there, which is maybe, what, 1,800 people in the whole country. Uh, I'm still guessing something like 20,000 active Scientologists in the whole world, even with You know, they've had a little growth in places like Taiwan and Mexico, but it's clear that in places like this in England, it's not, it's not only not growing, they're having a hard time holding on to the poor dupes that were there for years and years and years.
2: Yeah, and I think, look at it. This is it, the whole thing is ridiculous because the building is in the center of town. It's a re. It's like Tottenham Court Road. It's really ideally located. It's just a kind of crappy old building. Now, if you had. Us that were working in Div six in London in that building, I guarantee you we'd be smashing it because we had a real big focus on Div six. We'd be going out, we'd be kind of overlooking the negatives of the fact that the building needs a new paint job and there's scaffolding outside and all of this. Like, who cares about that? Let's get people through the door, right? Because we were really on a mission. I got the sense that the staff here were really tired, dilapidated, kind of done right and kind of They've resigned.
0: totally to demoralized at this point Alex, yeah right well,
2: what's what's and the first thing that eva said the first it's not yeah. a very nice or she said you can come in if you want it's not a very nice org. yeah oh, like literally God. that's what
1: she said like for for a brand new public to be like that's the
2: like a
0: self-deprecation mm-hmm. as your first thing to say why would but I again that's from Miscavige. Jesus? That's from Miscavige's focus on the buildings. That yep. it's got to be this big building, it's got to have these fancy displays. And so the person working there feels apologetic, like, oh, it's not very nice. Whereas, and I'm not going I'm not praising him, but L. Ron Hubbard's vision was almost 180 degrees. That it's the interaction, mm-hmm. it's the fact that it's a person talking to a person. As long as the place is okay, there's you know, it's a clean, well-lighted place. Uh, then it's going to be fine because it's the personal interaction. <laughs> but the Dave doesn't trust people to sell Scientology. He wants the machines to sell Scientology, etc. Et so
2: it's depressing to hear that. I mean, I feel bad for them. But you know what? I think I think Sunderland is gonna is undergoing at the very beginning of undergoing refurbishment because they were scaffolding up the entire like height of the building outside um the the paint job on the inside if you looked carefully was unfinished it's like they've just stripped, like, like they've just stripped all of the paint or they're just about to paint because there were patches on the walls And like the building was clean but it it looked like they were ready for refurb so i have a feeling that someone has chucked some money at it probably sheila Gaiman or maybe it's come from the is or whatever to try and give it a little cleanup so that it's a bit more modern uh to kind of get it through the next yeah but few why years.
0: why would they why would they do that when they're gonna to have to spend several million
2: because that
0: building they bought fifteen years ago into shape for an ideal or.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's the logical thing that you would think, right? But they've done this with multi- multiple orgs. You know, look at Tottenham Court Road. They spent a good chunk of money only a few years ago refurbishing it, getting a new sign and all of this. They've got an ideal org that both buildings are ideal. There's no reason to do this, but Scientology needs to spend money. And also they want to kind of be seen as fresh and new and it's not this old tired building. So in my mind... If Sunderland have to raise $20 million or whatever it is for their new building, Gateshead, that needs refurbishment, it's been purchased, has sat there empty, but if they could, and like operate out this kind of hell hole, hole in the wall type building, But if they could raise £200,000 to just give their current place a little bit of a spruce up, then that will help them get more people in to raise the money they need to refurbish the building. That's the logic I'm thinking that they're using Mm -hmm. because it was a very tired old building. And when the staff are in, the first thing they're saying to you is it's not a very nice building. It's like, no wonder they're not growing and expanding. I (laughs) I
0: I can see both of you guys turning around a place like that because you're young you're talented you're smart but you're the kind of people they're driving away
1: yeah exactly i was <laughs> i was gonna join but, uh,
0: <laughs> well did you at least buy a copy of dianetics so her stats are up this week
1: absolutely not i'm sorry sorry eva if you're watching <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she didn't try
1: and sell it to us no no that's that's the thing like i was saying earlier it was all soft sell it's all like you know oh this oh that but it was never like What would you like to know? Like what? And there there was no desire to get to get to know Was she at least trying to
0: find your ruin? No. No.
1: And I actually opened up conversation, um, saying I've been looking for some things, and and I tried to like give her some leads to see what she would do. There was no biting at all, and I don't know if it was just maybe she just didn't see us as genuine or or something. I don't think that was it because I don't believe that she's that you know uh, in tune or talented in, in spotting this, but. I just find it very fascinating. And I, and then when we were upstairs we were there for about five minutes or so, we didn't want to waste everyone's time. Um, but I said, well, we won't waste your time anymore. And we just started walking out and there was
2: no desire to keep us there. Nothing mm. like that. So I think very th- weird. this is just an indicator that she isn't a div six staff member because yeah. it kind of completely not playing by the rule book of what, how we would handle someone like that in div six, right? It was always find the ruin. You know, try and sell them a book at the very least. If there's a, a two people that walk in together, separate them because no one's going to open up about what their ruin is, the thing that's upsetting them in life. Get them in different rooms so that then they can open up and we can sell them both a book. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how it was done. And this didn't happen at Sunderland. And I just don't think she's a Div6 staff member because... We both did that, you know, I was kind of trying to because I wanted to figure out some more about the org board and ask some questions about how busy it is and this sort of thing. And so I was pitching that I have a small business and I'm really interested in, like, what's this org board thing? We're looking at it and talking about it. And I was kind of asking her to pitch me WISE, essentially, right, which is the World (laughs) Institute of Scientology Enterprises. And she I was like, you know, what what is it that Elron Hubbard teaches about about that? Because you've just been talking about applied philosophy and trauma and stuff. Like, how is this going to help me with my business? And she said, Well, no, there is this thing called wise, and it's the um the world enterprises i think i can't i can't remember what it was called but um, uh, and, world...
1: and we're both we're thinking like... like it's world institute of <laughs> scientology enterprises
2: like we knew what it was like, don't say it don't say it don't say it <laughs> it was so hard not to correct her but she couldn't remember what it stood for and um, and it stands for world institute of scientology enterprises but she couldn't remember that and she was like yeah you know there's this whole organizational administrative structure that Mr Hubbard came up with, um, and this is the organizing board which kind of shows all of the jobs that someone can have in a business. And I was like, okay, right, <laughs> give me more. Like, you know, I'm giving you something here. This is a perfect opportunity if you're trying to sign me up as a wise member or sell me a course or something, didn't happen. But she did drop the bombshell, um, which I think is a complete fabrication. Having now spoken to the press department, um, she said that Volvo, the car company, is a, uh, it uses Scientology administrative um, technology. She said that the org board and other sort of tools that Elron Ron Hubbard came up with are used by Volvo, which is a multi-million dollar car company here in Europe. And she was like, you know, I come up with that because I'm Swedish. And so I know because it's a Swedish car company. Um, but they they use um this, this technology, and and that's a sign of, you know, they're really successful, so it must work, right? <laughs> and I was like, really? And it's something that I had heard previously. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in London Org, that Volvo being a wise member or using stud, like Scientology Tech, so there was something that kind of rung a bell there, and I didn't quite know what. And I've been trying to delve into it. I can't find anything that proves that link or, or where that rumour came from. Um, But I did contact the press department at Volvo and asked, hey, I'm a journalist, I'm trying to find out information about um, whether you have any links with Scientology. And, uh, you know, we went, we did an undercover investigative uh, report, we went to an org in the uk and they are advertising that you guys are using their stuff are you aware they're doing this and they came back and said absolutely categorically not true we do not use scientology technology there is nothing to do with scientology with our business we do not support it we have nothing to do with it um and that's an absolute lie and we had no idea that they were telling raw public that you know didn't know who they were that that is the case and so that's what they said, but I think it's fascinating that they are what coming prob- out with what
0: probably happened. Lie. What probably <laughs> happened is one of these sneaky business consulting wise front groups like Sterling Management. Uh, there's another one in Europe. Uh, I I, I, remember, I gotta find the name of that one. And they 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 get into businesses and and try to get them to use the Hubbard tech. What probably happened was some uh wise consulting group got into a local volvo dealer Mm. and got that dealer to set up an org board and now they're convinced that all of volvo follows it something like that you know you know how stuff like that gets exaggerated in the retelling but i'm glad you checked that out thank you for checking that out alex
2: no problem i'll send you the statement as well so that you can include it if you want in the article but i think another example of where that's happened is i remember this because uh (laughs) Um, I used to work for Apple and I can't talk too much about it because of my NDAs. However, um, when I was on staff in London org, um, the new e-meter came out and they were like, it's designed by Apple. And I was like, that's not true. And I know because I was working for Apple. (laughs) So I was like, "Mm, what's going on here? And I dug and dug and dug and found out what it was, was that someone who was working for Apple as a designer was then left Apple and was recruited as a freelance external person to help <laughs> with the design of the new e-meter. And most of it was done in-house, but it was like a consultancy type work. And so it was a twisting of the truth. It was it was kind of co-designed by someone who was a consultant for Apple at one point. But that <laughs> translated through the channels down to the local orgs at the city level to being designed by Apple. I, I reckon you're absolutely right, Tony, with the Volvo thing. It's probably like someone owns a car dealership in, you know, the Midwest in America, and they sell Volvo cars, and he uses wise technology. uh, And that's kind of gone up lines across and then filtered down to the city level, where now suddenly Volvo is a Scientology company. (laughs) That must have been
0: something when you were there and she said that to you
2: uh it was the hardest thing was trying not to react I don't know if
1: you have yeah. the same thing oh but... keeping the keeping the trs yeah. in, <laughs> in this is difficult sometimes because i had also heard back in the day that microsoft uses it as well did you oh yeah oh like the, and i told people this because that's what i heard so i know how these well that's go.
0: actually a there's actually where that comes from is there's actually a very famous controversy from around the year 2000 When uh, uh, late '90s, early 2000, when of course in Germany the government there was really vigilant about Scientology, Mm. and Microsoft was coming out with a new version of its uh, you know operating system, and when you get an operating system, of course you get a lot of little little doodads with it. One of which was Craig Jensen's Disk Keeper. So it's Uh, just a utility. uh, It's just a utility to help you know keep your things on your hard drive straight whatever but the fact that craig jensen is a major scientology donor and Mm. that his his bit of software was going to be part of this giant microsoft package became an international controversy about like i said 22 23 years ago Mm. and germany literally like forced microsoft to include an option where you could not install that on your system if you didn't want it. And Craig <laughs> Jensen was livid. He was so upset about the whole thing. So that's probably where that kind of trickled down to where you were, Jeff, and they heard, oh yeah, Scientology, Microsoft, yeah. right on, man.
1: I think, you know, <laughs> and the point of it though is, is like all any successful company must use Hubbard technology because they're successful. But it's completely the opposite of the truth. The amount of business owners that I know of in vancouver uh are just failing and they're trying they're spending all this time doing these uh ethics conditions on their business and it just doesn't work right so
2: it's entertaining anyway sounds like a fun outing you had there yep i think for me it was it's such the thing that was most interesting wasn't necessarily the conversation because we didn't speak to a hardcore div six so it was someone obviously covering for me it was the chance to gather information so we have i have we have first hand experience and knowledge now of the number of bodies in the shop how big Sunderland org is in real time how many staff there are on the org board which i think is usually it's invaluable right because it's really hard to get stuff like this from a smaller org those 30 people that are going in, they're probably going to be the hardcore Scientologists that have been supporting for years, and they're not going to break or leak information as much as an org like London, which is bigger and they're getting more new people in all the time. So I think it was a, it's, it's a really invaluable opportunity to extract data, but most importantly... It shows how far behind OSA are. Mm-hmm. I think this is a key indicator that Scientology has shrunk and contracted so much. Now, this is just a theory, I don't have evidence, but my thinking is that Scientology is struggling in terms of numbers of people, right? That's why we didn't get too much trouble on the Friday or the Saturday at the protest, because they're they're down to a skeleton crew. So the people whose job it is to look after protesters, they're not there anymore. So the people who have to do that job have something else to do that's more important. So they're busy dealing with Dave Miscavige and so on inside the property. And then on Sunday, there's less for them to do. So that's why they could come out and handle us. I think the same thing is true with this Sunderland org visit. The person whose job it is to send out these warnings to all of the orgs and say, watch out for these guys. They're here. Jeff's come all the way over from Canada. It's highly likely that he's gonna visit another city while he's here, so keep an eye out. The person who's doing that probably isn't there anymore. Mm. And that just hasn't been done. So either that is the case or simply that has been done And they're just so slow at doing it that it just hasn't filtered down to the people on the front lines. So either they're behind because of workload, lack of people, or they just haven't done it because of the lack of people. Like, I think it's just a really good indicator of how slow and behind they are. But the interesting thing is the moment like the next day. Sunderland Dog must be really good at getting the names into their central filing system because the next day when we went to the train station to come back to London, we're pretty sure there was a private investigator there watching us, following us. Wait, he was ready for us, acting very suspicious in the typical PI fashion. As soon as we got to London, there were a couple of suspicious people we saw in London, like. I think that they typed it into the central file system. It flagged up. They called Oster and they said these guys are here, and they instantly dispatched someone to come and figure out why we're there. Yeah. Um, and they followed us all the way back to London. But that's the thing: they're reactive. But we caught them by surprise. They weren't expecting us. And if Scientology had the staff it had ten years ago, fifteen years ago, they would. We wouldn't have been allowed to walk into that building. I don't yeah, think exactly.
0: Yeah, think back to or think back to the 70s when, when Paulette Cooper, at one point, was going from New York to Boston to talk to a lawyer about Scientology litigation. Nancy Manny, who was a volunteer for the Guardian's office at that point, was told where to saw, spot her at the train station and even what Paulette was wearing. So that's how you're right. When they want to follow people, when they want to keep tabs on people, they're very, very good at it, but they just may be very spread thin right now. And so you'd think that after what you pulled last weekend, that they would have somebody following you all the time, but I don't think they have the manpower, right?
1: now. No, we haven't actually spotted any PI activity outside of where we're staying. Um, at all, which which I find very fascinating,
2: because um, why wouldn't they be following us? after what we just did. I think you have to consider that they are a lot more cautious here in the UK anyway with that PI stuff because you think about Bonnie Woods who sued Scientology for harassment because she was being followed by private investigators employed by Scientology here in the UK, amongst other things. But she definitely was harassed and part of it was being followed by PIs. Mm-hmm. She won the case, I believe, or she settled yeah. out of court and they had to issue an apology and pay her. So... I think since then, Scientology have been a bit more cautious in the UK because they've already had the slap on the wrist, don't do that. You can't get away with that sort of behavior here in the United Kingdom type mentality. So I think they are a little bit more cautious here anyway. So I'm not surprised that they're not following us all day, every day as a harassment tactic, but they're kind of sporadic, getting us, getting people to follow us here and there on certain days when we're going to certain places to keep tabs on us, but most importantly, to get us worried and paranoid and to send a message, you're being watched not necessarily to harass us and follow our every single move. I think that's the tactic they're going for. I think they've got enough money in the world that they can hire private investigators to follow us 24-7 if they want, but that doesn't fulfil the purpose. The purpose is to intimidate us, harass us, and make us feel like we are being watched all the time, and to keep tabs on what we're doing. Um, so as soon as they're aware we're someone somewhere different, like Sunderland, they're instantly on it because they want to know what we're doing. But when we're just going around London doing our thing, um, I think they're just they they're wanting to be seen and therefore they don't need to be there all day, every day. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Wow. Well it's uh sounds like you had a great trip uh any other fallout from the from the protest itself now it's been now that the week's gone by
2: so i'm in the debrief process at the moment um i have meetings booked with the council with the police and so on um and i'll be reporting back as soon as that happens because i want to get feedback from everybody involved in what went well what could have been done better um i've already received some really interesting feedback and i have some suspicions of certain groups involved in the protest not like in terms of like protesters but uh, stakeholders I suppose um, being paid off by Scientology and definitely are in their pocket and I will be reporting on that very very soon Um, but I kind of want to finish that feedback process first so I have one complete kind of piece of information but overall um, nothing major to report on the protest stuff other than um, you mentioned on Chris's podcast the other day you got an email from someone that yeah yeah I did get an email
1: from somebody who uh, I've been in touch with prior to the uh, event and uh, she is a public um, in the UK area, um, and she was actually meant to go to the IES event, and she got sick, uh, so she decided not to go. And um, she emailed me afterwards after seeing the way Alyssa was treating us uh, and that like first hand tactics with someone that she knows and has been following for a while that she is no longer going to be going back to the Church Scientology and has made her decision to no longer be a Scientologist. So. Uh, mission accomplished in that regard.
0: All right, way to go, Jeff.
1: It's why I'm doing this, right? Like I got, I sp- and I've heard many people say this, I spent many years of my life getting people into Scientology. Now my goal is to help people get out um, and stop being uh, their lives being destroyed.
0: How long were you in it altogether?
1: I was born into it. Uh, spent about th- uh, almost 30 years of my life in Scientology. Wow. Yeah. Both my parents were in Guardian's office in Toronto. My dad was the ED of CCHR in Vancouver. My mother was, uh, she left in the 90s, but um, she was a high-level staff member in Vancouver and as well as in Toronto. So lots of experience.
0: Wow, wow.
1: Scientology royalty right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Second gen, not quite third gen, but you know, it's pretty good. you
0: still have family inside?
1: Uh, I do, my dad, yeah. Um, He is still a Scientologist. He is, um, I don't think he's particularly active uh, but he is definitely still a believer, and he is uh, a lifer for sure.
0: And what does he think about your current activities?
1: Uh, we don't. We're not super in touch. I have reached out to him uh, yesterday, and I have not heard back. But a hundred percent guaranteed, he will just either stop talking to me completely, or it will just be good roads, good weather, as is the the technology of Scientology. Um, just ignore, 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 and don't actually
2: confront the truth.
0: I don't think I've ever asked you, Alex. Do you have family in?
2: No. No, I joined of my own volition um, and luckily was kicked out before I was able to suck my family in. But there was definitely a plan in place, which I still have. I found the other day the, the piece of paper where we wrote down the step-by-step plan for each family member and how I was going to recruit them into Scientology. Um, luckily, that didn't end up happening. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm out. But, you know, Charlie Wackley was my best mate. I was extremely close with a number of friends and people in Scientology that I now don't have those friendships with. So it's not like my life hasn't been affected by losing those friendships and relationships, but it's nothing like family. You know, that's a whole different ball game. I'm, I'm lucky to have not been born into it. Um, and it's, it's a whole different kettle of fish to, to Jeff's story. And, you know, it just makes it even more heartbreaking because I had a choice. I made the wrong choice, but I had a choice nonetheless. Whereas someone who's raised in Scientology doesn't have a choice, they don't know any different, they don't know any better, it's child abuse, right? Yeah. If you are sick as a kid or you do something and you know that's considered wrong, you're pulled into an auditing session, what did you do to pull it in? Write down your overt and withholds, right? it's a horrible thing to do to a child and it makes the child from day one believe that they're responsible for everything that goes wrong in their life and that's a horrible thing to do to someone who's still developing their neural pathways and the long-term effects of that are highly damaging in my opinion so I think it's horrible that um children are particularly allowed to be raised in scientology and i had a small taste of it because i was a teenager when i joined i was still a kid myself so i kind of get it but it's nothing like being literally born into it and and hearing people's stories like jeff's just inspires me to fight harder and say look you can believe in what you want but leave children out of it let them grow up first then decide if they want to join because long- a child at the age of three years old can't decide to join Scientology because they don't have that ability to consent and to make a choice
0: That's right how long have you been out Jeff uh, about 11 years 12 years 11 years so the question I always ask people is how long how long did it take to throw off that Scientology mentality, the way that that it affects the way you see the world and the way you think, how difficult a process was that?
1: Uh, I could talk for hours on that. Um, It's the most challenging aspect of it, for sure, especially having grown up into it. I think the biggest question I always ask myself is how I'm reacting to a situation, how I'm thinking about a situation in life. I always have to ask myself if that's Scientology's doing or teaching, or if it's actually the way I am thinking. And it's it's a daily struggle for sure. Um, There's a lot more information on my YouTube channel that and if you ever wanted to have an interview, I would 100 percent stand with you about questions like that, because I feel like in this space, there is so much um, there's so many stories about abuse and and so forth, and they're all horrible. But the thing that I really want to focus on is correcting the wrong and changing thinking and and recovery, because I think that's that's the more difficult aspect of this for sure.
0: Yeah, like that poor friend of yours that was didn't feel good enough to go to uh, the IAS. She had to figure out who she was PTS to, right?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, they, they actually told her to come into the org and get a handling and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was...
2: You know. I think the whole thing is absurd. The whole PTS thing is absurd, right? If you think about it, the IAS event was an hour late, at least, in starting because of the traffic situation and because of our protest. The Quoll building opening was delayed, and David Miscavige was... And I've received confirmation, by the way, from via an insider that this is 100% the case, that David Miscavige was meant to open the Quoll building and then chickened out because of our protest and threw Aaron Banks on the stage. So... (laughs) Like, those things happen. The core building opening was delayed because of us. In Scientology, if you're late, that's because you're PTS. Yep. So essentially, using their own technology, the entirety of Scientology's IES event and thousands of these thousands of members that they claim to have come to this event, they're all PTS. To who? Who's the SP? David Miscavige? <laughs> us? You know, oh, definitely us.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I'm I, I was going to
2: say, I think you're the uh, SPs of the week, my man.
1: Yes. <laughs> Happily, we'll wear that badge. All right.
0: Well, thanks for this uh, report on that trip you went. You know, it's always fun to take a field trip and visit Scientology facilities in the field. And uh, I love getting those reports. We get them regularly from readers, and the message is always the same. These places are dead!
2: Yeah. ideal deal
0: that's absolutely all right guys thank you so much for joining me
2: thank you tony speak soon